I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Cinema Clash, the show where we pit two famous characters against each other and debate who would be the victor. I'm your host Kyle Cicillone and today I'm joined by... Pat Langan. John Coulson. Welcome. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Awesome, thanks. We've got some very good battles today. Uh, we have a, we go in a little bit of a different direction for this first battle, so let's just kick it right off here. Our standard battle today is a battle of who is more annoying. We have, in one corner, the infamous Jar Jar Binks from the Star Wars prequels, most notably Phantom Menace, obviously, against, in the other corner, Ruby from The Fifth Element, no other than Chris Tucker as the... I don't even know, the the radio announcer guy who follows around... Intergalactic DJ. Yeah, intergalactic DJ. DJ. Well, no, I used to some video, so DJ. Right. But I think if more is like, you know, he'd be on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's our uh, battle today. Uh, John, why don't you kick us off here? Just give us your initial thoughts and just basic thoughts. Alright, well, I was going to pick Ruby first, but then I decided on George R. Binks because they had to take him out of the movies. Like, people hated him so much, they had to, like, limit his screen time. And that's that's pretty hard for George Lucas to do, like to give that up, something like that. It's true. Yeah, I mean he is in like a scene or two in the second. I, I definitely in, in Clone Wars. I'm not sure about Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, he, exactly. You're not he may sure. Not be. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, what was the the time between when they made? the second Star Wars film from when the first one was released. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they were already working on episode two um, when the first one came out. Do you know what I mean? But I guess you're, it's true that they could have just cut him out of the po- Like, they could have cut him out in post. You know what I mean? Like, he could have been removed in post. Anyway, Pat, what are your thoughts? <laughs> okay, um, uh, I don't know. I used to be able to really talk about Ruby that much. I mean, he's constantly annoying. He's just... In Corbin Dallas's ear constantly, and while he's trying to save the save the planet, save the universe, and everything, and Corbin's like, ma, 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 ma. yeah, I mean, he's talking to everybody and constantly interrupting everybody. Just wants to put on a show when when real shit's going on. Sorry, um, but but I still think that Jar Jar Binks is the most annoying character. He's always fumbling stuff around and just like goofing stuff up. And I'll tell you what has a lot to do with it is the way he talks. I oh. think it has a lot to do with it. Like if he. Could you imagine if throughout the movies he was dubbed in a deep Spanish voice? Like, Antonio Banderas did his voice acting instead of whatever it was. It would, <laughs> what? what? I'm just saying, imagine if somebody, like, if he had a different voice throughout the movie. Yeah. You know, a, a little less annoying. He, he might, would be a little less annoying. 
It's definitely yeah. the voice that like gets you. And if based on that, just just based on voice annoyances alone, I think Chris Tucker <laughs> Ruby is far more annoying than this. He's constantly in this movie, especially there's a fight scene in the Fifth Element later on where he's in the middle of it, like. They're fighting in like a ballroom or something. It's like a casino and a yeah, in a ship hotel whatever. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. And ship hotel. And there's like there's you know like Showtel. like you know stuff's going down and there, and you know Corbin Dallas is like trying to protect all these people and all those alien guys are in and and Chris Tucker is just like screaming. He's like screaming in like the highest pitch tone possible for like a male human being. And it's it's like constant and it's constant 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 screaming. Corbin, Corbin. <laughs> Yeah. All the time, dude. Ah! The whole time. Not to mention, I also want to bring up the fact that he's got that stupid freaking microphone that he shoves in people's faces all the time. This red microphone. He's with his posse, and they're all like in there, and he says, Cobra, my man, what's the word? And he like shoves it in his face. Shoving people, shoving... Jar Jar Binks doesn't shove anything in your face. He may, you know, step in poop and <laughs> get in the way. Or, you know, knock down an... It, it worked out in that situation, just right. out of dumb luck. But, you know, he knocks over a whole bunch of those... Blue orb balls right. and like that could have just killed everyone. Right. That's, that's what I hate because it's all dumb luck. Yeah, yeah it's dumb that. luck. Yeah, that's that's true. But I've like he actually like a lot of I think. Well, I mean, in both movies, the characters, the main characters, benefit from these stupid idiots somehow. Uh, in Fifth Element, he has uh, Ruby do something with. Uh, he's got to like put in like a code or something with like a bomb. Is there something yeah, about, something right, about right, right, right. There's a bomb. Yeah. Anyway, so like he still hasn't, <laughs> he still hasn't do something, but like Jar Jar Banks is just like the Gungans do like help them. You know what I mean? Like it is like if they were not to run into Jar Jar Banks. Are you arguing for Jar Jar Banks? It's, here? Like, but you're honestly. you're like going pro Gungan, not pro Jar Jar Banks. That's it's, true. It's, yeah. yeah, I mean they do kind of banish him because he's such. It's a, like going pro DJs. Well, for uh, pro Ruby, Ruby. Ruby's like a little. Like funny, like you could see him as funny. George yeah, he's Binks, like entertaining. You, you could, I don't you think could he's never, funny. You could, you could he's never far more laugh funny. at George Banks ever. You could never ever in your I life. I don't really laugh at Chris Tucker. I don't really laugh at Ruby. But either. you could see it be like, oh, this is like satire. George Banks, you can't look at him and be like, oh, that's satire. You just look at him. That's some stupid marketing. Like, yeah, boy. it's stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah it like is. But giant I mean, frog man. Yeah, like, but I mean, I, kids. I think kids would laugh at George Banks. I don't think anybody laughs at Ruby. I don't think, like, I think there are pity laughs maybe for Ruby on all age levels. Like, nobody thinks he's really, like, a funny person. I think there are small children, maybe a few of them out there, who may <laughs> think Jar Jar Binks is mildly funny. Just saying. He steps in poop and people laugh. I don't know, it's still funny. That's how we poop jokes. Poop yeah. jokes. That's, well, our, that's our, that's our, like, threshold there is poop, poop jokes. You know, that's, I'm just that's, saying. That's the benchmark. That is the benchmark of, you know, being an acceptable character is poop jokes. Okay, anyway. Uh, John, what's, what's your final vote? Who's more annoying? I, I gotta go... I gotta go with Jar Jar Binks. Sorry. Okay. I just I just hate him. I, I just, and, it, and it, it might have some slight... Like, I might still have some slight anger about just completely ruining the Star Wars franchise starting with that movie, but I'm still going with Jar Jar Binks. I gotta go with Ruby. Because he's just... He's... Like, for all the reasons I said earlier, he's just far more annoying. He's always... He's just a constant burden on Corbin Dallas. I don't know why, at any point, Corbin, Corbin Dallas has not just shot him. Just shot him. For, just ended his life. I think and he threatens it a lot. He, he, well, he does. And just, I think Corbin... He's actually, like, a decent human being. Oh, so yeah. I guess he wouldn't really, you know, murder someone in cold blood. But 
I'm sure it definitely crosses mind a few thousand times throughout the movie. I'm sure it crossed Obi-Wan's mind yeah. a couple of times, too. So obviously that makes um, Jar Jar Binks the winner of the annoying battle today. So let's just uh, move right on to our next battle. Our doppelganger battle today is pretty freaking awesome. It's Nicolas Cage. He is our actor for today's doppelganger battle. We're using Caster Troy from Face Off versus Cameron Poe from Con Air. So this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. I've definitely... Cameron Poe's been kind of stuck in the back of my mind for a while. I've been wanting to use him in a cinema clash. And uh, so finally now we're, yes. we're, we're going we're gonna to do them. I'm pretty popular. Uh, and it's really interesting, before we get into this, that... These two movies were released back-to-back, well, not back-to-back, but at least for, for, for Nicolas Cage, since he's our doppelganger. These, he, he did Face Off, and then he did Connor, and it was like the only two movies he did in 1997. Like, boom, boom, the only two years things he did that year. So I think it's just pretty cool that we're, you know, putting them together now. Uh, so, Pat, give us your, uh, just your initial thought. Okay, so I just want to start out by saying, good always defeats evil. You know, Cameron Poe may be a convict, but you look at what happened... And they even stayed in the film. It can happen to any one of us. He's an army ranger. He's at a bar. Someone starts like giving his wife the business. He goes out. And he just in, outside takes him outside and accidentally kills him. It's just an accident. Yeah, sounds like. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, and I don't. He takes. I don't know. He, he defeats an entire plane full of convicts. That's my main argument. Okay. Yeah, John. What do you What do you think? Well, I hate to agree with Pat again, but <laughs> I'm going to have to. I'm going to go with Cameron Poe because I don't know. Just. The way he acts, it's kind of like he's supernatural. I mean, at the end when he's like chasing the fire truck, I could not believe that. <laughs> and he actually like wins every time, and like doesn't matter what happens to him, doesn't matter if he accidentally kills somebody because he's such a badass. But he does like chase down that fire truck, and for some reason, like I think there's something special about him. <laughs> there's some, something special about this boy. Yeah, so, I mean, we didn't even talk too much about Caster Troy here. I'll, I'll give a little bit on that. He is a criminal mastermind in the movie Face Off. And not only does he pretty much terrorize Sean Archer's entire life, he steals his identity by physically taking his face and putting it on himself. Face. He takes his face off. Anyway, so he he's got that whole... Friend, what is it, his brother? I think that's in the prison with oh, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But um, and, and obviously, as we're continuing, we're talking about Caster Troy, like throughout the movie. We're not talking about like John Travolta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about John Travolta <laughs> with Nicholas Cage's face on. <laughs> I know this is really confusing to talk about because you know what I mean. We're talking about the Caster Troy, like who he is as a human being, not just the, the face. <laughs> so, and he does like have a whole crime syndicate. And he's the leader of this, and he's got those two f- freaking awesome guns. Those two golden handguns that are just awesome. He comes in there. Yeah, like 1911. Yeah, they're awesome. He's got, like, this whole, like, drug ring set up. And he's just, like, this dude is, like, the top of, like, the syndicate. And, like, people know him for his, like, absolute insanity. And, like, how he's just pretty much crazy. And also, Cameron Poe is pretty awesome. He likes... he's. You know, he's like the good guy. He's, he's standing up for what's right on this plane. Especially, like, when Cyrus the Virus takes over this plane and 
Cameron Poe, you know, he doesn't really have a lot to deal with, and he's just kind of going with it. He protects it. the Lady Marshall. Yeah, he protects it. And he, he um, helps his friend with diabetes. Yeah, he helps his <laughs> diabetes friend. He's a thoughtful person. <laughs> but is that necessarily enough to, to fight a one-on-one Caster Troy? Caster Troy is pretty freaking crazy, man. He's got guns. He's We see Cameron Poe use guns. Um, but I think one redeeming fact about Cameron Poe is when he his he's looking for... I don't know what they're in the cargo hold for, for whatever reason. And this other guy finds the finds the teddy bear that Cameron Poe needs to give to his daughter for the first time he's about to see his daughter, like, ever. And this guy takes it, and Cameron Poe's like, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> and then he's, like, threatening him, and then... I don't know, I think he beats him, or I don't forget if he beats he him, kills him, him, or throws him off the plane. I think he, he throws throw, him off the plane. He throws him on, like a, uh, like, a spike or something, I think. He gets, like, impaled. I thought he threw him off the plane, maybe. I, I think he was, was he a was, bad guy. No, he was... That. I think you're thinking of Air Force One. No, I'm just <laughs> joking. No, but he, I do remember David Chappelle's one. He, Chappelle he gets stuck in the, in the gears, landing gears. In the yeah. landing gears. He flies off. He's the body that... Yeah, He writes the note and throws... Yeah. But anyway, put the bunny back in the box. Then he beats whatever he, I forget what he does, but he beats the guy up, and then he's like, "You should have should have put the bunny back in the box." <laughs> Pretty freaking sweet. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, Pat, uh, what's your? My, I just want like one last thought. Yeah. Um, you were saying, you know, Caster Troy is a criminal mastermind. Well, so is Cyrus the Virus, and then the end, Cameron Poe wins. If you throw, well, Caster, Cameron Poe has some throw, little bit of help. But he doesn't. It's not like he beats him one on one. John Cusack's help. Uh, well, <laughs> it's a little bit out. John Cusack's busy fighting his superiors in, <laughs> yeah. in a helicopter. Tying planes, or uh, Corvettes to planes and stuff. Still, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think... I vote... Anyway, Pat, I what's vote Cameron Poe. John. You know what? Cameron Poe always comes out on top, so I'm going to go with him. Cameron Poe. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Poe is, like, really... Like, if, if, he's the definition of, like, what, what wins these battles and, like, what wins, you know, in movies as a whole. And we do, you know, we do see him do some, some hand-to-hand combat. Like, yeah. he, he's pretty good with this. He's pretty good physically. Like, he can, you know, he can take on a guy or two. And he's, what, in the Marines? Uh, Army Rangers. Uh, Army? Army Rangers. Right. So, so like, Army's in the beginning Rangers. of the movie when he kills that guy or whatever, um, you know, in defense and he goes to jail, which is how the whole movie starts. When you see him, you know, like, fight these people. And he's, he's a, you know, he's a tough guy. And we also... We see Caster Troy, like, doing all these drugs, and there's that one scene, I know it's still, it's actually Sean Archer as Caster Troy at the part, which I'm talking about right now, is when he goes in and does all the drugs in the bathroom, and he's, like, all cracked out and stuff, but you just imagine, like, that's pretty much, like, how Caster Troy lives his lifestyle, and he's, like, he's like that probably... 80% 80% of the time during the day, I would say. He's just crazy. and So, like, just knowing that, that, like, he can, at any moment, just snap and pretty much just, you know, just kill someone if they look at him the wrong way by having this mentality um, is is pretty freaking scary. And I think you have to take that into consideration. Uh, but I, I am going to go with Cameron Poe as well. Just because, yeah, for everything, for all the reasons you guys said, it's he's he's an American. I guess that's the best way to kind of support our troops. Support our troops. So let's just move on to our last battle today. Our clash of battle today is really good. Okay, Pat, who are you going to be defending today? Um, I will be defending Scott Pilgrim. John? The Bride from Kill Bill. Yes. The Bride from Kill Bill versus Scott Pilgrim. So as you all know, and as you guys know here, 
how this works is you're each going to be given one minute to give your arguments about your why your character would defeat the opposing character. And then at the very end, the person who went first will get a quick rebuttal to the opposite person's argument, which would be second. So, John, you're going to go first today, and your minute starts right now. Okay, well, number one, she has an insta-kill, which is her five-finger whatever um, thing, trick, which she uses to kill Bill, and number two, she's killed, like, hundreds of people. Um, she has a really sweet sword that was made by some ancient dude. I'm sorry, Hunter. <laughs> yes. And, um... You know what? She never gets stopped. She kills Bill like she went to do. Scott Pilgrim's just a little boy. He cries a lot. He whimpers. And he gets coddled. Does she ever get coddled? No. Never. You know, she's a real woman. With real problems. And she solves them. And she has an instant kill. So, there. That's it. Okay. Literally. Alright. Pat. Your minute starts right now. Okay, so uh, Scott Pilgrim defeats seven evil exes. Seven. Seven. Um, you know, she might go against a couple minions in that little Japanese bar. Um, she might defeat, like, you know, um, a couple other people here and there. But Scott Pilgrim has earned two things. He's earned the power of love, and he's earned the power of self-respect. And between those two things, I think he has the edge over revenge. Maybe she was going back to get her daughter. I don't know, but at the same time, Scott Pilgrim is fighting for himself. He knows, he know, he finally gained confidence in himself, and he's got some sweet moves, man. He turns those like ninjas that come in at the end to just like coins. And might I add, he's got a one-up. So you can pull that. You might throw a five-finger death punch in. He pulls that one-up down, comes back, slices her head off while she's unsuspecting. I think it's Scott Pilgrim in the end. Okay. Very good. John, you get a quick... um, Is there anything you want to say based on Pat's argument real quick? Up to you. Okay. um, I don't think he'd get a chance to slice her head off again. Like, I think she'd just do the five-finger whatever again. And five-finger him into his next (laughs) life. And you know what? Um, He was a little, little bitch, to tell you the truth. And he might have learned love and whatever not... But she also had a good quest on her hands, too. I mean, she went and saved a child and then killed Bill. You know, she got her vengeance, but it was a good vengeance and it had a moral story to it, so. Okay. Good. So, this is, like, the more I think about this, the more I realize how actually difficult this is to decide. And while we have we have the bride, and we see the bride pretty much... I think in any given movie I've ever seen, kill the most amount of people in the shortest amount of time in probably one of, in the coolest ways possible in a movie I've ever seen. And that's something to argue about. She's got a samurai sword. She's doing this all with like a samurai sword to pretty awesome music, I might add. Just flipping around, jumping off banisters, cutting off people's heads. There's just blood splattering everywhere. There are probably about a hundred bodies by the end of it all, where they're all just covered. Not only that, she does go ahead and she does pretty much go back and kill every single person that came that 
that pretty much tried to kill her in the beginning of the series, in the movie. And, you know, they get what they deserve. She pretty much kills each and every one of them. Probably Ellie the worst, where she, you know, plucks her eye out, which is pretty brutal, considering that she could just do that. Um, you know, that's probably a scary thought. If, if I were Scott Pilgrim, I'd be wearing goggles or something, I guess. Um, and then you have Scott Pilgrim, who... Scott Pilgrim, he can he, he gets these swords, um, the power of love and the power of self-respect, and we do see him beat Gideon Graves um, in, a, in a pretty intense battle sequence, I would, I would say. Right. Especially in the that final room when he's cutting through all the people, like you said, Pat, with, you know, they're all blowing up into coins and everything. Uh, it's all really cool. It's, it's, he's, he's got moves. He's definitely awesome, especially even in the other fights when he's fighting uh, Matthew Patel in the beginning, like the first boyfriend, the first evil ex he fights that, you know, he comes crashing through the, the ceiling and then, you know, Scott's like, you know, they're just fighting, you know, hand to hand and stuff. And then he ends up like pretty much, yeah, he throws a symbol and then he like uppercuts him like at the end and just like roughs him up. It's pretty intense. And we see him fight like all these people. And obviously, very uh, over to the top and and you know over dramatic ways. But you can say the exact same thing about the bride in very over the top killing and over the top amount of blood and everything. And also, I, I do have to point out that which I think is probably the the thing that sells it uh, for me in this fight is that Scott Pilgrim can produce like force force field like waves. With his bass guitar. Like, he uses his music as a weapon. And I think that is seriously awesome. When we see the band create this giant digital gorilla in a boss battle in, in Scott Pilgrim against the, the Kobayashi twins, I think they're Ko- Ko- Katamanari, whatever the... Uh, the Suzuki, they got, yeah. The Yamaha, two guys who Yamaha. come out, who make their dragon in, the, in that big boss battle. And that... The fact that Scott Pilgrim can make... Can, can fight with his music... Is seriously like the you can't you can't say that's not like the coolest thing and like the most intense thing you've ever heard. Uh, so I I have to give it to Scott Pilgrim the fact that he can use his bass to not literally physically hurt the other person with the physical the bass guitar, but you know with the sound waves of doom. I guess you can say. So yeah. That's just my take on it. Yeah. But it's really close because honestly, at, at, when we were going through it initially, I was like, it was set in my mind. I go, no, nah, it's going to be the bride. The bride has definitely got this after she just piles those bodies up. Um, but then I remembered about the the music and he can, you know, produce music. Yeah. I didn't really think about the one up. <laughs> so thanks for uh, joining us, gentlemen. I hope you had a fun time on this episode. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Cinema Clash. Please visit CinemaClash at blogspot.com for past episodes and ajaznetworks.com for our other great podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or even a suggestion for a battle, email us at cinemaclash at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 623-AJAZZ64. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook for the latest updates. Find this show and more at AJAZ Networks. Originally different media for your personal taste.